Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the 27th Ball Player Podcast. Unlike the previous ones, this is actually going to be a little bit of a different take. You see, with the way the Red Sox have been in the offseason so far, and a lot of anger and disappointment going around the internet, I'm looking for Red Sox fans to interview and kind of hear their thoughts, learn about their history of being fans and so far, this is going to be the first part of hopefully many, and with it, we're actually starting with we're starting with uh, Twitter user Ryan Brady at Ryblades27, who is one of the co-hosts for the podcast Pod by the River. He is a very smart Red Sox fan. It was a fun time uh, talking with him and. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the following content. Uh, there's a few others that will also happen just like this, and hopefully more down the road. But yeah, enjoy. And this was kind of why I didn't come right back at the start of the year, like I said, because this idea came to me and I wanted to try and work on this. But yeah, like I said, enjoy. Hello? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Yep. What's going on, man? Um, nothing much. Thanks again for uh, taking the time to do this. No worries, no worries, no worries. Yeah, no, we uh, we've done a few over the years. Try to kind of like everyone who's like starting out new and try to like pay it forward a little bit and uh, all about that. So, where are you uh, located? Uh, you know uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right in there. Oh, nice. All right, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I'm in the uh, Hudson Valley near Poughkeepsie. Maybe you've heard Poughkeepsie or area. Uh, no, but it's okay. not often I hear about a Red Sox fan living down near New York. <laughs> it's it's funny, yeah. There's um, uh, when I was on the Pesky Report for for a couple of years, none of us were from uh, near near Boston. Like none of us. Are you um, serious? Yeah, uh, Ed uh, Hand is. He's there. But other than that, it was everyone else's Iowa, Florida. Um, yeah, we were from all over the place. And uh, it was my grandfather taught my dad, taught me. Uh, so, yeah, growing up as a kid in Yankee land was not really the most fun thing. Yeah, I can uh, imagine how that was up until 2004. So. Yeah, 2003 kind of sucked. That whole off season was really bad. I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty bad. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with the way this off season was going, I figured maybe see if any Red Sox fans were willing to be interviewed and just tell about their story. So maybe there was some positivity going around this off season. Well, you probably got the uh, the right guy in the sense that I am an uber positive person. Um, inclusive about the Red Sox, even right now, I probably have a take that even uh, it's optimistic, even by my own standards. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I'm excited, even though I'm not. But I kind of have. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a friend last year. He got on my case because uh, I went down to spring training for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, if everything goes well this season, we're going to get 89 wins, plus or minus two, you know." Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole season, he's like, "What? What, what was? What was that about? Eighty-nine wins?" I'm like, "They were doing okay for a while, really." With yeah. Paxton, they, they just they needed help at the deadline, and it was like as soon as it didn't come, you could just see just the apathy was was there. I mean, Verdugo said what he had to say, and that was it. You know, so yeah. but, but we'll see. 
maybe maybe this year addition by subtraction will help them with some of the cases, but I don't know. There's a there's a few that I'm looking forward to, like seeing if Pavetta's uh, second half holds up. Ah, uh, hits my favorite player of the Red Sox. So oh, is he really? Yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, that guy's arsenal is sick. I think he, he has the ability of a let's say a two, probably not a one, but I think he he's got the ability of a two. Can he reach it with consistency? Probably not. Um, so maybe he's more of a three and a half. Right? You know, uh, but I think I think there's a lot there. I mean, Pavetta, I, like you said, about two, maybe a three. I, I view him if he stays consistent as a three. Uh, fair. So. I think that's fair. I mean, but uh, that would be – he's around the right age for that too. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's been waiting a while. And, yeah, no, nah, I, th- I think you're on the right track. That, that's a – you need a, a couple career years. Things change in a hurry. You just uh, – you never know. That's why you get to play. Yep. Um. So. Yeah, so actually my first question was going to be, like, how did you become a Red Sox fan? But you had already answered that. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, whatever you whatever you want. Uh, are, you gonna, are you recording it, or what are you, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I do have it recorded if you're all right with yeah, that. Yeah. If not, I wasn't yeah, yeah. going to put anything up. Okay. It's, no, it's whenever, whenever you're ready to go. Uh, well, actually, first question then. Um, with it, uh, how did you get into baseball? Like, did you play it when you were younger? Was it because your family uh, brought you into it, or was it just something that you fell in love with yourself? I don't have any memories as a kid not being around baseball. Um, it was always on in the background, whether it was the radio, playing wiffle ball, playing organized baseball. It was always a thing, um, and there were not as many channels. I'm, I'm 44, so there was not a whole lot of options. So whether it was locally for me, it was the Mets or the Yankees or the game of the week, um, baseball was on. We would root hard against the Yankees and we'd cheer for the Mets because they were not the rivals. And um, so baseball has just always been a part of my life. Um, and my son now plays travel ball. And I never, I never wanted to push him to do it. Like I was like, and he found it kind of like when he was nine. Um, he's a pitcher. And uh, so it's very cool now because – I'm seeing him do things I, I never got to do on, on a baseball diamond. You know, he, he's got a three-pitch arsenal, and uh, it, it's it's very cool. He's got a trainer. He's, he's learning how to do things the right way. His mechanics look great. And it's really cool. It, it's, it's either in your blood because um, it's different than any other sport. There's no contact, really. You know what I mean? Like, you got to love baseball. You can't like it. Yeah, because, honestly, I, I don't know how it is, like, where you live but right now it's pretty much just basketball and football and Worcester like for kids growing up so it it kind of disappoints me because even near the end when I was in middle school and high school kids weren't going on to the baseball diamonds anymore it was all basketball and football now <laughs> yeah I know it's funny um you know a lot of his friends will you know do more than one sport but uh he has no interest, honestly, in any other sport, even a little bit. Uh, so, like, you know, off-season he'll do, you know, two or three times a week um, indoor training. And, you know, it's tough taking uh, fly balls. Uh, you know, you can't really work on that. But, uh, you know, pitching mechanics, his swing. Um, but it's really cool to see him get that from – as a father to kind of see it. He, he does not have the – love of watching it i can say um that i did as a kid uh in person i took him to a world baseball classic in arizona uh, uh, this year that must have been great that was cool that he enjoyed a lot um but 
I think he'll get his fandom as he gets a little older. Yeah, he's been a Fenway. Um, COVID definitely kind of slowed things down for a while. But uh, yeah, he'll be there this year, regardless of record. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be there and uh, introducing him to some, some players and seeing angles. I think it's really cool to watch from a kid's perspective to see the pitchers warm up and do the same drills he does, the exact same thing. It's just faster and cleaner, but it's the same thing. Um, it is a game, and I think a lot of fans, we lose, they're supposed to have fun, right? You know, like, um, so to see the you know, the guys do it and, and, and to see it through a 12-year-old's eyes, um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I know on Twitter right now, uh, a lot of fans are saying, oh, don't buy tickets, but even myself, I, I know I'm not going to be able to stay away from Fenway. It's just the experience of going there. Yeah, I... It's kind of weird for me um, growing up. I grew up in the 80s, and the Red Sox, they had a couple good years. 86 was tough. you know. Um, uh, my, my dad woke me up even though I wasn't sleeping to watch the final out, just to watch them fall apart in front, in front of my eyes. Um, and then 90s, they kind of sucked, and you know, there was a couple here and there, but nothing great. So to see them turn in, fr- in 2004, I was there for uh, every home playoff game uh up until world series so i saw uh game three against the yankees i was there for oh four i was there for uh, for game four game five uh if you would have pinched me and said we win one in my lifetime i would have said whatever i would have shaved a year off my life probably just to see one to see two i was like you gotta be kidding me three uh and i was there in 2013 when they won that was very cool to be in fenway when that happened oh you, you uh, were there uh the clinching game I was, I was, it was unbelievable. And then to see it again in 18, I'm like, this most Red Sox Twitter sounds to me like, like Yankee fans. There's not a, there's not a huge difference, right? If, it, if we don't, if we don't win or we're not expected to win, then screw it. And that's not Red Sox baseball. Um, it's either in your blood or it's not. And, and I think a lot of people that I see that they're in it because it's become the Patriots. It's the same thing. If it's really in your blood, you can't stay away. I mean, you hope for better. You don't understand why certain moves or non-moves are happening. Yeah, especially but, this offseason. <laughs> and you know what? This uh, Last time I checked, spring training doesn't start for another month. So mm-hmm. um, the off-seasons are weird now. They're not like they used to be. I have a lot of hope that the roster we see in spring training is not the roster we see today. Yeah, because yeah, it seems like definitely in the past – up until, what would you say, probably 2018 or maybe even 2017, players, the big names would be signing before Christmas, and then it was oh, usually yeah. uh, late camp oh, signings. But now it seems to be the opposite. They get the minor league deals and depth moves done early, and then the big names come later, unless you're the Dodgers. But. Right, right, right. I mean, I kind of get it. If, you know, if you're Jordan Montgomery, mm-hmm. what's the benefit of signing – before Yamamoto. What's the benefit yeah. of signing? If Blake Snell signs tomorrow, whoever doesn't get him, whoever's left for a big pitcher, now you got maybe two, three, four teams for one guy. Mm-hmm. That's how you get the extra year. That's how you get the extra two per, right? Um, unless you're Dave Dombrowski and you just overpay and you just get him right away, yeah. which Aaron Ola was kind of reasonably priced now at this rate, you know? Yeah, especially um, after what Otani, Yamamoto, all of them got. Aaron Nola, that, uh, that almost looks like a steal. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, yeah, I don't think enough, you know, 
I think it's very, I'm a huge Dave guy. Like a lot of people are, it's very in vogue to say he's horrible. He ruined our farms and like that, all that good stuff. Um, he's he's yeah, a dealing Dave, you know? It's what you expect when you brought him in. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the truth is we're, we're looking at it right now. And yeah, he saw a pitcher. He identified a, a pitcher, established a number, got it done. And he's not, now he's probably looking at the relief pitching market mm-hmm. at, at another pitcher here or there. He's not in desperation mode. Um, the Giants, I would look at as a team that, yeah, they still need to add. They have been whiffing on big free agents for years now. Um, yeah. Even more than Red Sox, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Uh, last year, people were reporting Judge going to the Giants, and then last minute, everyone was like, oh, never mind, it's Yankees. But, yeah, and even and then, Otani. A, yeah. a big belief was Otani would be right for the pickings for there. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, they kind of swung for the fences, and, and they've come up empty. So I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, for boycotting Fenway, I don't, uh, I'm okay. I, I'm I, not interested. I mean, punishing I mean, myself, but like so. Myself, I, I try to go to Fenway maybe four times a year, but I have uh, I have tickets to Polar Park, so I end up going there about 40 times a year anyway. <laughs> oh, see, I, I've never been. I, I've always wanted to kind of hit like a, a buddy of mine. We talked about hitting a day game at, at Fenway mm-hmm. and then Polar Park on the way back and do a little little doubleheader. Yeah, it, it's a nice park for Tripway. You know, I've, I've enjoyed it. I got The moment they put them on sale, I jumped on uh, season tickets before they sold out, so... No. I, and I how figured, many home games is that a year? Um, what is it? They play. I want to say it's just about 140 a year, so it's around 70 home games a year they play. So and how many do you think you get to? Roughly? Um, my package is for half the season, so I get about 35, 36 home games depending on, and then okay. I pick up I pick up more tickets anyway during the season. <laughs> just because, nice, nice. like I said, I can't stay away from there, so probably. By the end of the year, I probably go to about forty-five to fifty Woo Sox games. So. Oh yeah, so you're—it's—it's uh, it's gotta be cool because probably at some point in time this year, you're gonna see some players that you're uber excited to see putting on the jersey. I'm—I'm I'm hoping York at least. I—I'm undecided on Mayor because I'd rather them not rush him, especially uh, with the shoulder issue, you know. That's scary. The, the 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 silence behind that is what really makes me nervous. Um, injuries are going to happen. That's part of baseball. But uh, it's been a little too quiet. Sometimes that's bad. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, especially everyone was saying, oh, why wasn't he at uh, Trevor Story's camp and all that? I'd, I'd rather him just take his time coming back and be healthy before making an injury worse, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree, but uh, I, I do have a little fear. I don't, I don't know. To me, I think there might be a little smoke there. There's fire because if you can't go fully participate, and it was only about two weeks ago or a week ago, and now he's saying, I'll be good to go for spring training. You can go and just be around the guys, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, but uh, hopefully it's nothing really serious. Hmm. Uh, I know you said Pavetta is your favorite player on the Sox right now, but uh, yeah, who would you say your all-time favorite would be though? Tough. As a child, it was Roger Clemens. Okay. Um, like, yeah, I know what he became, but uh, when you when you're a kid and the Red Sox stink and you actually have one of the best players in the world on your team and he's just blowing away 18, 19 guys in a game, 
that's Pedro before it was Pedro. Um, and it would be a total lie if I said, David, if you didn't say David Ortiz, then I don't think you have a soul. Um, that, I mean, they were the lovable, lovable losers. I mean, I mean, he, he completely changed a franchise's direction. Like as much as any one player, I don't think there's any player in baseball who's ever met more in our modern era at, at, than David Ortiz. Uh, 2002, yeah, there's a regular baseball team. Uh, 2003, his aura begins, but not fully. And in 2004, dude, they're dead, man. I'm, I'm at the game. It, it's it's three, you know, they're down three two. It, it looks it's over. And um, I mean, credit to uh, hell of a steal by Dave Roberts and then Bill Miller getting a nice base hit. But it's big poppy in game four. It's big poppy in game five. It's big poppy in the World Series. It's big poppy in 2007. Let me just yell my dog. No, it's it's fine. Hey, stop! Stop! They're normally not, not down here when I'm doing this stuff, but nah, uh, it's fine. So, but to see, like you know, when, when he called the team together in 2013, like he wasn't done. Like, like that stuff doesn't happen. But to change the complexion from we're the lovable losers, we're gonna find a way to lose. To well, no, we're not. Right? You know, like I'm literally gonna put you on my back, and we're gonna carry you through the finish line. Of course, it was helpful that Manny Ramirez was there. Of course, it was helpful that Keith Folk was there, and Johnny Damon, and Kurt Schilling, and you know, all all the guys that were there. But I've never seen a player mean more to a franchise, which also is kind of why, like last year, when you have Pedro and Dave Dave Ortiz talking about, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I don't really understand if we're gonna sell. Cool. Like develop got it or let's buy but this whole like buying selling thing uh no if they're confused i know i was confused and i've been confused for a couple of years now um I, I get it yeah i i'm not gonna lie when it comes to the socks right now i have no clue what they're planning because now they're saying well they're not saying it but you know it's another bridge year is what they're planning so why not leave Bloom in charge, see how his vision finishes, how it was going to be, and then how it looked at the end of this year. But who knows? Maybe, maybe they got... Hmm? I have a little take on that because, in fairness, when 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 Dave was fired, mm-hmm. I've never understood that, right? Like, no. my, my, my theory is they said, from what I've read and gathered, we need to trade Mookie Betts. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not trading a generational player. That's stupid. And they said, we're telling you to trade him. He said, not doing it. And then he was showing the door. They literally didn't interview anyone else other than Heinblum. That by itself is stupid, right? That's dumb. Um, I don't blame Heim at all for trading Mookie Betts. I don't think that was his call. But I believe the return has to be owned by you, right? So if we're going to praise Heinblum for Garrett Whitlock and plucking him from the Yankees, then we should probably say Connor Wong is not a franchise player. Um, Jeter Downs was DFA'd pretty quickly, and Alex Verdugo never even made one All-Star game. That's a horrible return for a generational talent. Um, when you look at some of these other generational players when they've been shipped out, the return set the teams up for years to come. And I, I, I just feel like, like Boston is a very big market for um, for guys unless you're really ready to thrive. Theo Epstein was a guy that 
was ready, you know, um, you know, to walk in. He, he's a freak. But uh, Pine Bloom, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen, great at, you know, looks like he knows how to identify young talent on the major league roster. I think there was a lot more missteps than than there were successes. Um, and I, yeah. I mean, I definitely think when it came to Bloom, his biggest issue was. Uh, very similar to what Danny Ainge with the Celtics did, hoarding on to stuff instead of mm-hmm. moving it for a deal that can move the needle for the season. Because sure. even like uh, one player last year that I thought they were going to move at the trade deadline in some way, to, as even as a package to bring in either you know a back end starter or bullpen help was a uh, Nick Sogard. Mm-hmm. I figured you know, like don't get me wrong, I I love. Nick Sogard. He's one of my favorites on the Woo Sox, but I mean, there's really no spot for him in Boston, so why wouldn't they have tried to see if, you know, there's any value could they possibly put him and a couple other low-level prospects into a deal for a back-end starter when they definitely needed it? I mean, you're bringing a... You're, you're doing a... What was it? An opener almost three times a week or whatever they got up to at that point in mid-July. Mm-hmm. You, you're telling me there wasn't any deal they could make for someone Bobby Bobby Dahlbach too right mm-hmm. you know Bobby you know swinging a hot bat I, you know I think everyone knows his time in Boston feels like it came and it went but it doesn't mean that he can't resurface a la Dave Ortiz right you know mm-hmm. somewhere else but it was not it was, it's not going to happen here and so I agree held on too long afraid to make a deal had to win every trade and if you try to win every trade A you're not going to make a lot of moves and B the Yankees have been crucified for this living in New York, that they win a lot of trades. Therefore, teams don't want to trade with them. They don't want to get uh, a pitcher who you and your heart go, this guy sucks. I know he's not going to go. Like a trade should be by ideally, it's a win-win for both teams, right? Someone's ready to win today. Someone's ready to win tomorrow. If you win these lopsided trades over and over again, that's how you ruin other GMs' careers. So I wouldn't trade with you either. Um, so I, yeah, yeah, I mean, it just, there was a lot of, it seemed to me like they say, you know, when baseball players who are, who are the best, the sport slows down, right? And to me, it seemed like for Haim, things were moving very fast, very fast. And he couldn't, he just couldn't adapt and always played it safe. And, you know, the 2022 trade deadline was a masterclass of what not to do. Right. Um, they definitely uh, had a mix of. Uh, I don't know how I want to word it. They they did, they had mixed signals on what they wanted to do. I guess. Yeah, let's bring in Tommy Pham, a vet, mm-hmm. but then we're gonna but we're gonna ship out Christian Vasquez, which for yeah. the record, hey, looks like a nice return. It may look like his most stolen trade of all, right? Mm-hmm. But like, so we're gonna go over the luxury tax, but just by this much, right? Mm-hmm. But then we're going to have to reset in 2023. So then your 22 impacted your 23, but we weren't really going to go anywhere in 22. And if we didn't go over in 22, then in 23, maybe we added the deadline. Then maybe we, maybe instead of running out of parade of openers, we get a competent starter or two. And who knows? Maybe I'm still running the show. Um, it's it's a tough place to make it. Um, and honestly, my, my nerves, I really like the Craig Breslow hiring because the Red Sox do one thing for years and years and years. They develop positional players, no problem. They don't develop pitching. 
Having said that, I felt that the one mistake ownership did with Heim was not give him a veteran assistant, right? Uh, you know, Dave had Frank Wren. Um, uh, Theo, oh God, I can't remember his name right now. It's not. It's going to take a while. But Theo uh, LeJoy, I think was his name, Bill LeJoy, um, old Detroit GM. They had other confidants to trust in. But who really, who did Heim have? Other uh, people who have never held held a seat before? Mm-hmm. And he, the same, same they, with de- they definitely put him on a, an island and said, all right, we're going to make you do everything the Red Sox fans don't want us to do. Do you think it's that simple? Or do you think when Heim was interviewed, he said, I can rebuild the farm and be competitive at the same time? I, I mean, he probably said something along the lines of that, but... Uh, Sorry, when I, when I meant that, I meant like, okay, listen, if we're hiring you, you got to move yeah. Mookie bets, you got to, you know, slash payroll, all that, you know. Everything that, especially today, we're seeing everyone getting upset about. But And, and I, I, I think a lot of what you read, you know, I think fans are right, right? If we're going to do a rebuild, cool, tell me. Just mm-hmm. say, hey, we're, we're going to take – I'm a New York Ranger fan. It's my only thing about New York that exists. And in like 2016, the Rangers kept getting knocked out first round, second round playoffs. And they finally then wrote a letter to the season ticket holders. We're going to strip it down. We're going to rebuild it back up. And it's going to take a little bit. You're not going to like it. And bit by bit, they traded away all the stars. Now the rebuild is done. They're competing. You know, now every year they're, you know, they're at the top. Doesn't mean you're going to win, but they're at least in the thick of it. They're sustainable. And um, I think fans get that, especially when it's not a – eight-year rebuild, right? Yeah. A two- to three-year rebuild yeah, with the money the Red Sox have, you should be back into contention pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I also get ownership, too. I, I get we spend $200-plus million every freaking year. But how many years have we in the last 15 years have we not made the playoffs? Yeah. And you, you look at the New York Yankees, and I'm no Yankee fan. I hate them, but they make the playoffs on every freaking year. Like, it's just the truth. And although they don't win near as often as they used to, I'm sure the ownership would like a competent team every year um, and look at Yankee ownership and said, I'm glad we have the rings, but can't we get a little of that too? Like the roller coaster ride is not fun. Although I'll take it. Yeah. As long no, as we get to the top. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely uh, see what you mean when it comes to both sides of it, but I, I can't lie, just as a Red Sox fan, it just gets frustrating. Like, if they were just transparent about everything, I feel as though there'd be less issues. Because myself, I'm I'm fine with rebuild years. It's tough, but I mean, it's it's still fun to go. And Plus, usually in those years, the tickets do end up getting cheaper, especially by the uh, end of the season, when you're just looking online for them. I think fans of real teams can understand, if you told me we're in a rebuild year, and, hey, you know, Meyer's going to come up. Yeah. teal like there's buzz there's juice we're excited right you know like let's see what's going to happen you know that it's 2015 all over again you know mm-hmm. you know jackie's up you know benny's coming up like you know these guys are coming i don't know if benny was quite there yet but like you know like when you knew jackie and mookie are you know, are coming around and you can start to see these pieces really coming through that's what you want to see and i think fans are okay with it i think the Let's sell and buy at the same time, um, which ironically, I actually think, I think the Red Sox now are in a prime position to actually to contend a little bit 
without going over, without trading away their prospects. Like, you know, you also want Tristan Cassis to see what it looks like to play meaningful baseball in September. You just don't want to punt on years of, of his career. Um, and Raphael's Devers, what was the point of signing to the contract extension if we're just not going to try? What was the point? Yeah, I know, uh, I mean, like I've said several times, I'm I'm biased towards this, but I definitely think they go out, they get one more, like, decent starter who can eat innings, who can be, like, a roughly number three starter and on certain games can pick it up to be a number two. I think they'll be in contention until mid-September, you know? Yeah, I just... Jordan Montgomery to a T, right? That's exactly what you described. Jordan Montgomery makes too much sense, right? I mean, he, he pitched in he pitched in New York. You know he can handle a big city. He just thrives in the postseason. You know he can make it. He's not that old, so if you sign him to a six-year deal, yes, you might eat the last year. may not be what you want. I what, got it. What is he, 30 right now? 30? I think he 31. just turned 31 in the offseason. He That's... already had Tommy John's surgery. He's already cleared that hurdle. Yeah. Um, and if you take right now and you pluck him in, I'm being real with you. If you have, I'm not worried about order of pitchers, right? Because it can change, right? Mm-hmm. But you have Giolito. I like him at the top of the rotation as an innings eater. You have Mont- Monty. You have Bayo. I like that three. I'll go out, right? Then you give me uh, Nick Pavetta all day, every day as my number four. And Cutter Crawford, stop, right? I'm very comfortable with that five-some. Because now my bullpen, which I love, especially when you add Hauk and Whitlock to the pen, mm-hmm. their pen is stacked. Six. You know, if you give me six, we're winning. Yep. Especially, uh, you know, the, the talks about, oh, needing to uh, shed salary by trading Jansen. Then you still got Hauk and Whitlock added. You got Chris Martin back there, who was arguably one of the best relievers last season, if not the best reliever in baseball last year. You know, those three, not to mention everyone else they have. If you move Jansen, who would you want to be your closer? That's actually a tough... There was one that I had seen some takes about because of his mentality, but I'd rather him in the rotation being Cutter. I think his fastball in the bullpen, from when they did have him in the bullpen, it picks up a couple ticks to about 97. And I think in one inning stints, he could be a dominant closer, but I prefer him in the rotation going five to six innings a night. Uh, but out of the other options, it would definitely either be Chris Martin or Tanner Helk, because I know Helk had some slight experience closing, and I think definitely his issue is once you get to that third time through the lineup, they start to pick up on his pitches, uh, his tendencies and all that. So as a closer, he wouldn't have to worry about facing batters even a second time. I think you hit the nail on the head. Tanner Howe to me is the exact – I mean, he's eight for nine in career save opportunities. And his mentality – he looks like a guy who can shrug it off. No problem. You know, like that short closer mentality. His fastball is explosive. His sliders just wipe out. But the more you see him, yep, uh, you know, that 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 is the issue. Um, people talk a lot about, oh, we can't get lefties out. He can't get lefties out. It's not too often in baseball that we see – Guys getting, you know, pluck them from the lineup. We're going to take you out, put the lefty who's been sitting on the bench for three hours. Now we're going to put him in for the big hit. Maybe maybe a catcher here and there, but baseball's not really – pinch hitters are not – unless it's postseason stuff, it's not really used what it used to be anymore. Um, and Whitlock, to me, 
I love, love I never wanted Whitlock in the rotation. I was always afraid that he was going to fall apart, and he did. Him in that multi-inning like that, it's the it's the fifth inning. Starter got through. Boy, he's gotten tagged. He's you know, Sox are up six to four, but you know the starter didn't happen tonight. You bring in Whitlock for two to three innings, brings the bridge, then Martin, then Hauk. You win games you were supposed to lose, right? Because of Garrett Whitlock, he changes a bullpen, and um, with his arsenal, you know, I, I think that's kind of wasting him as a closer. Plus, he kind of had a little bit more mixed results. It kind of felt like to me as closer. Um, I trust Hauk big mm-hmm. time. Yeah, I know. I know when it came to Whitlock, and they kept talking about moving him to the rotation. Even now, when they talk about it, my first fear is always the Daniel Bard experiment. You know, yep. you have, you know right, what man. you have in a reliever. Don't mess with it. You've done it once before. You, you threw a whole guy's career off track for uh, what almost a decade. Yeah, you know? no, it totally did. Just it's it's actually kind of scary because like. It's weird to say it's like starting pitching 1,000% is at a premium. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. However, I feel like a lot of fans dismiss the importance of late-inning relievers. If you have them, you know how good they are. And when you don't have them, you know how badly you need them. I mean that a, a closer is the ace of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. That's it. You got to have after. I mean, you see it in the playoffs all the time. There's a bullpen structure. And teams, you know, you get the starter through, if you're lucky in the playoffs now, six innings, and you turn it over to those flamethrowers in the back end of your bullpen, you turn a nine-inning game into more of a seven-inning game at that point. Yep. Of course, and, you know, seven-game series by game five, if you're using the same three every night, then it becomes a different story. Unless you're Alex Cora and you say, screw it, I'm just using my starter on his yeah. throw day to come out uh, and yeah. throw gas. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you, you can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of interesting. I I one thousand percent feel. I I don't know why I'm eternally optimistic about the stocks, right? So like, I'm looking at it right now. I could be totally wrong, and I'm not saying I'm right. But I think the news of uh, full throttle, maybe it wasn't said as artfully as it should have been. I think this is shade and smoke cover. I I think this is classic misdirection because we don't know if we're going to land Montgomery or a big trade. And if you're not writing about it and you're writing about the opposite, we can work in the, because we didn't hear anything at all about a Chris Sale trade. It just, no. it just happened, right? So I do think ownership is tuned in more than fans want to think. You boo the, sh- the, the heck out of John Henry and then you get an extension, extension endeavors. So like that kind of worked out pretty quick. I, I would not be surprised. I, I don't think they'd go over the luxury tax. I, I think that's kind of the line in the sand that, that they're looking at. But I don't I, – I think there's lots of – I think they're going to field a competitive baseball team, and they'll have the chips to make trades at the deadline if they're in the thick of it, and they'll have enough money to add without going – so this should not be an all-in year, right? Look at the AL East, right? Mm. I mean, be. you got the Orioles. They're going to be stacked next year again, and Yankees got Soto for – Hopefully, just one season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's an issue. A lot of a lot of my buddies are really like very, they're excited, but they're almost half excited because they're like, well, it's only gonna be for half a year yeah. or for one season, and that's it. Because how do you pay Cole and Judge and Stanton and Rizzo is making good money too, and just you, know, you start looking around and going like, 
Well, How do you eat? Rodon? Yeah, I was going right. to say, isn't uh, Rizzo off the book at the end of the season, I think? Or is it, or is it one I, more year? I thought he signed a three-year, uh, like, $15 million deal. Oh, okay. For some, for some reason, I kept thinking it was a two-year deal. But I don't know. I don't pay much attention with Yankees outside of uh, Oh, you're right. Signed, you're right. It was a two-year, uh, $20 million per. So they could, but then you still need a first baseman. Yeah. Um, which I don't think they're going to go a rookie, which they don't really have a big rookie first baseman. So, and that's a that's a position that usually costs a little bit of money. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, you look at it and say the Rays are good every year. Yeah. The Orioles now look like they're going to keep being good. Whether they suck in the playoffs, that's up. They probably will, mm-hmm. but right. Yeah. Um, the Jays never seem to put it together, but they're, they're still good. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the Jays, they got a couple years left. I think their window for contention is definitely closing unless they can get those contracts signed for uh, their young, well, I can't even say if they're young infielders anymore because they've been in the league for a few years now. But, you know, you got you got Vladdy, you got, um, oh, God, Bo Bichette. I was drawing a blank for a second for him. You know, those two, you got to decide, do you keep them both? Do you build around one of them and move the other? I definitely think it's going to be a choice of one or the other, but not both. And that's a that's a interesting. I don't know which one's the better one to build around uh, because you know shortstops get they can get older um, or not. Uh, big guys can break down or they don't. Um, not sure. Personally, if I was the Jays, I would I would build around uh, Bichette, but that's just me. I think he has the uh, better work ethic between the two. You, you know, you, you could be, you could totally be right. I, I was thinking about this the other day is whether it's Tatis or it's Bichette or it's Guerrero, we look around baseball right now. Uh, Al Leiter's kid, um, like there's a number of former players' kids in baseball in some capacity. Do you know how hard it must be? Like everyone thinks like, oh, they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Like if your father was – a tremendous baseball player. You grew up as a rich kid, right? Mm-hmm. To get to the show, you have to have such a drive. I mean, it has to be just a complete like person. Like everything in the world is all about your game. To do that when you grow up in the lap of luxury and your father is like that must be beyond intimidating. I actually give a lot of credit. Like, I don't think it's easy for anyone to get there. And I'm sure they had access to coaches and all that good stuff. But, like, your natural talent can only go so far. You have to have a drive. And for those guys, it probably was really easy to go like this. Nah, I'm just going to kick it. And they didn't. I mean, there's definitely one uh, player who's a son of a former, I'll say, Hall of Fame player that I feel uh, sorry for every time because – I feel as though he's got so much pressure on him. Uh, Calvin Biggio. Yeah. Especially uh, compared to how his father was as a hitter to how he's doing uh, in Toronto every year. I just, even when the Sox play them, I can't help but hope for uh, him to do well. He's the one player on the Blue Jays I always root for. Yeah, there's not too many. Uh, him and uh, Springer. Like George Springer, I mean, I know he's a you know, his guy. He grew up a Red Sox fan. I, I always wanted that to be a fit um, back. Um, always just likable guy to me. Just seemed like a, like a, like a cool dude. Uh, I think my biggest concern, actually, for this offseason is Cora going into next year 
without an extension. That yeah. I, I that's the one where I can be a really positive dude, but that's my line. Is my, my biggest fear with that is he ends the season. There's no talks on an extension. Dodgers swoop in. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean, you know, that's I, I think it's a very real concern right that's a real if you're the dodgers you're clearly all in right you're mm-hmm. whatever beyond all in um although i will say how many super teams really win the world series i like, don't think many i mean you know, the pod the potters last year no the mets last year no you just you, you think about it the uh, 2011 red sox were supposed to be the best team on paper didn't make the playoffs uh, who was it um 2011 Phillies, they collapsed in the uh, NLDS. Supposedly the mm-hmm. best rotation ever in baseball. Yeah, Roy Holiday, Cliff Lee, for sure. Yeah, it's just those things are so much pressure. Just like, I'm not saying it's easier to be a team that swoops on the radar, but um, yeah, you got to have talent. But I also think when you're just, when it's a World Series victory, it's not even make the World Series, it's World Series victory or a bust. Yeah. That's crazy, man. It's baseball. It's 162. The ball takes weird hops. Mm-hmm. Guys leave a hanger, gets knocked out. You run to a, a hot starting pick. Josh Beckett in 2003, he just beat the Yankees by himself. He's like, I got it. Right? Yeah. Like, it's cool. I got it. You can't control that. Like, and so I, my fear, your fear about Cora is, is my fear because you've basically said he's the face of our franchise, which I can't think of another manager that jumps out to me as much the face of the franchise as Alex Cora's the Boston Red Sox. And if he's not here, then I guess trade him now, right? Like, I mean, tra- yo, like it's not often we trade for managers. John Farrell was traded four years ago from, from the Blue Jays. Yeah. But I mean, losing him, I don't know what that does. I, I don't know. I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of people say, oh, opens up the manager position for Veritech, but who says Veritech wants the position? And who says he's not comfortable as, in his yeah, current and, position? But as much as I love Jason Veritech, and trust me, I do, you no one can just assume that when, when the when the seat is put upon you, how it's going to work, mm-hmm. right? Don Mattingly was a, was a slam dunk until he wasn't. He, now he's no longer in, in the game doing it. Like, it's hard to manage 26 personalities now, right? It's not easy and maximize and trying to explain to guys, I need you as the opener. I know it's, you'd rather be a starting pitcher. I, I get it and you're not gonna make the money or, you know, but to get the maximum value out of these guys, it's not easy. Um, no. and, and he does it in a way that I'm a big fan and I don't know where else, I, I love Veritech, but I'd rather also see Veritech somewhere else so I can cheer him because I don't want him to come here and if it fails I don't want him walking out the door that way because I mean I, I think the way I personally see it as core is he gets those guys into a mindset where unless uh, there's certain exceptions like Verdugo that they'd be willing to uh, run through a wall for him yeah 100% I mean you look at Rick Porcell in 2018. I'll take the ball in relief. No problem. You know, it, it was every 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 man. No problem. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. I got it. And um, I think that takes that's a special connection to have with players, right? You know, you, you really got to have that. And um, my hope is 
Cora said, oh, yeah, I'm cool with Bresla, right? You know, like th that if we're on the same page, as long as I'm praying that Cora is a part of these meetings, and I got to think he is because I think there's no way ownership loves Alex Cora. Yes. Yeah. If, if they said, look, we just need two years, right? And we're going to pay you like a mother. Just give us. This is not where we draw the line in the sand. Not with you. It's not my money. Give him council's deal. He deserves more than council. He's got a ring. What does council have? He has a uh, a loss in the NLCS after leading. I think it was three games to one in 2018. Yeah. Sick. You know what I mean? Like you give me core any day of the week, and I, that that's my biggest fear, right? Because I believe a lot of these young guys that we're looking forward to taking a step, they won't all become stars. But if two of them do. Right, because you can't assume all three. But if you told me it was Teal and Anthony, right, and that's and they really made it, boy, you got a good team with Cassis and Devers, mm -hmm. and like, you know, you got some hallmarks of structure. Pitching would be nice. <laughs> yeah. um, they lost. Uh, what was it Shane Drohan this offseason, Rule Five? He was probably their most developed pitcher, and even then, he struggled in Triple A last year. Yeah, and. and I think that, you know, to uh, harken back to, to Heim, I think that may ultimately have been the thing as well, was a slew of positional players that look really good, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, their farm system has shot up whatever ranking you want to look at, from what it was to where it is, whatever publication, it's gone up a heck of a lot. Also, it's kind of easy to do that when you when you suck yeah. three out of four <laughs> years, too. Yeah, you but, know. you know... And he didn't do a lot of fire sale deal, deals either, which maybe that was kind of the, the thing too, is maybe you could have gotten another arm here and another. Uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see what Breslow and, you know, can do with it. And yeah, I know they got the guy from Minnesota. I can't remember his name. He's a uh, director of pitching now for the oh, Sox. I think. yes. I, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name either. Yeah. But. So, I mean, you know, they have some good young pitchers over in Minnesota. So you got him, you got Bale, you got Breslow. I mean, you have guys that, clearly are in the know of current modern baseball to take a guy and maximize. So I, I can understand as a fan to take emotion out of it, to go like this. If you're telling me between Breslow and is it Falvey, no, no, that was the GM who was then, uh, Derek, who took his name out. But the guy from Minnesota, Breslow and Bailey, we can make Pavetta better. We can make Cutter Crawford better. We can have Bayo pitch more innings uh, more effectively. We can straighten out Giolito. I, who am I to say that they're wrong on this stuff, right? I just know I would like one more solid major league pitcher, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'd like to have uh, a right-handed bat in the middle of the lineup, and I'd feel I'd be okay. Definitely uh, for me to turn this offseason around, like, and people, well, myself, I haven't really had many issues. Mine was I wanted them to go all in on Yamamoto, but it was more I was caught up on the uh, the hype of him. Mm -hmm. But uh, I knew I knew he was never going to sign. I joked with my friends all the time. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get Yamamoto, or uh, I'm not going to be a Red Sox fan anymore. You know, the, the whole uh, copy and paste uh, troll post people would put. I've been a Red Sox fan since 1952. This is, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I think at this point, and I personally, I really wouldn't want to trade Jansen, but I think if it brings in more talent, and clears up, you know, salary. I'm fine with moving Jansen. Bring in Montgomery, who I'm hoping, I don't think it happens, I'm hoping it's a J.D. Martinez similar 
situation where his other suitors bring in other players instead. He has nothing left. Maybe he signs with the Sox five years, hundred million. You know, with an opt out after the third season, I don't see it happening at all. But I can dream. And then bringing in some sort of right-handed power hitter, whether it's bring back Justin Turner for a year or make a trade for someone. I I really don't know who's out there on the market or even bringing in a Solaire for two years with an option, but that would be my ideal. Bring in Montgomery and like someone like Solaire and see how things go. I'm with you. Um, Montgomery, I'd be willing. I've always liked him. So like I'm coming, if you told me it's a six year, 27 million per, I think it's similar to what Carlos Rodon got. Um, yeah, okay, I, I get it. You can't be afraid to ne- to always. If you're always afraid to never make a mistake, like you're never going to reap any rewards. Like you, you know, you, you need a a lefty innings eater. He's built for Fenway Park. You do a great job. Um, the rotation would be great. If you told me they brought in, I would love Reese Hoskins. That would be my okay. crown jewel because I need a I need a guy who can back up. Cassis, I mean, he can't play 162. Turner, cool. It's just getting older. I'd rather not push that envelope. I'd rather go Hoskins, but I, I could get it. Solaire, to me, I still go with, like, so who's my backup for a base and Pablo Lopez? Like, I love me some Pablo but, like, I can't really do that on a consistent basis, you know, in, in, in account for that. You got Bobby D. He's the uh, super utility oh, this year. Please, please, please. <laughs> I, I can't I, do that. I... I, I joke about it. I'm a I'm a huge Dahlbeck fan, even though I know he's uh, his days are limited in Boston. I thought he was actually going to get DFA'd when a story came off the 60 day IL, but mm-hmm. I was happily surprised to not. I know uh, Friday I'm going to be uh, probably the only one walking around the Mass Mutual Center at a winter weekend with a Dahlbeck jersey signed by him on. So there you go. Yeah. I. He feels like the kind of guy that he needs a change of scenery, maybe as much as the Red Sox need it, like, oh, you know, a little bit too. It stinks because he, he had his moment where it really looked like, man, this guy is swinging a power bat. Um, now, you see a lot of, you know, AAA games. Who's the guy from last year that you enjoyed watching the most? Uh, just hitters or pitchers? Or both? All right, give me the hitter. When he came to bat, you're like, even if it's just your guy, it doesn't have to be like the star, or it could be, right? Who's who's the pitcher that, that got you most? Who's the hitter that got you most? Uh, all right. So, out of prospect-wise, it was probably Abreu. Every time he came up, I was I was excited to see what he could do. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he definitely had one stretch down there at one point where it felt like he was either getting on base or getting a hit almost every at-bat. I, I forget when I want to say it was like maybe late July into early August he went on this streak. Okay. Uh, Pitching-wise, he's not the best. Uh, his stuff, you know, I, I think he works best as a one-inning, but uh, Cam Boozer, he got okay. a, a non-roster invitation this mm-hmm. this year. I, I like him. He's a lefty, can throw hard, but I think, I don't know if it was just because last year was like, he, I forget, I think, uh, was it 2022 was his first year back after a while because he retired at one point, became a carpenter because uh, he got in a suspension, I forget what for i think it was for marijuana use or it definitely wasn't drug use but he had gotten a suspension for something so he retired uh he was still under the twins contract then he came back 2021 and independent league 
got released by the Twins, signed with, I want to say Arizona, to a minor league contract for 22. And then, you know, the Sox brought him in last year. And I, I just liked what I saw from him out of the bullpen. But every time they tried using him for a second inning, it uh, never went well. Which is crazy. Like I, like, I get it's great to have guys that can give some length. But, like, if you're going to give me three quality outs, I need those. If I'm going to turn the ball over, like, not everyone has to be a three-inning reliever. Like, you know, um, so, all right, that's, that's cool. And what about for as the roster currently is con, uh, constituted for the Boston Red Sox, who is the pitcher that, you know, again, it doesn't have to be you – know, I'm a Nick Pavetta guy. He's not your best pitcher. I just – he's my guy. Who, who's the guy that you love seeing come up, and who's the pitcher you love seeing take the ball? All right, so pitching, there's two guys. One is uh, Bayo, obviously, because in my opinion, I think he's going to be the ace of the future. I think they need to okay. sign him to an extension before he shows that big leap. Last year, he worked with Pedro in the offseason. He improved. This year, he's working with Pedro again. You know, I think he gets out of spring training healthy. Um, a lot of people say have him be the opening day pitcher. Personally, I think for that, you want someone with a lot more energy, like, uh, and I'm not saying this just because he's your favorite, but Pavetta, have him open, because I think that sets the tone right there. We've seen how he gets between end of season mm -hmm. and playoffs, but definitely Bayo is one of the guys that I'm looking forward to pitching. The other, Cutter Crawford. Oh, yeah. Just, I, think, I think last year, he showed a lot of glimpses. A lot of people complained at times, you know, saying he got too tired. It was the most innings he's ever pitched in a professional season. He was, he, uh, what was it, coming off Tommy John surgery back in 2020, I believe. I know 2021 he had recovered from it. He threw some in AAA. He had that one uh, call up because of COVID in 2021. I think he went like three innings, gave up five runs, or it might have been 22. I, I forget. But no, it was 21 because 22 he broke camp with the team. And then, um, yeah, so those two are definitely who I look forward to the most, uh, seeing how they develop pitching-wise. Uh, batting, I enjoy Yoshida. I just I like how he is as a hitter. I think last year he just wore down fatigue-wise as the season went on. More games and more traveling than what he did in Japan. Add in the World Baseball Classic, uh, spring training, and everything else. So I think a full year of conditioning for Major League Baseball, you'll see more first half Yoshida than second half. But yeah. But for young players, I'm gonna have to say again Abreu, if he breaks camp with the team, I'll be surprised if he doesn't. But. I uh, you know, thinking about it right now, you know, and looking at the Red Sox, there's a guy that I didn't put in the potential DH role that I that I I think last year he may have been my favorite guy to watch was Adam Duvall and okay. you put he used to play a little first base if you told me if he could if you told me yeah he could play 20 25 30 games at first you know back up a little bit he's a postseason track record right he handled it Boston really well I mean he was the hottest player on the freaking planet until he broke his wrist yeah. um I don't think he would cost an astronomical amount. He would leave you money left over that you could definitely bring in Jordan, Mon uh, Jordan Montgomery. Mm -hmm. um, but I like guys that have done it on a stage like Boston. Like Reese Hoskins, you do it in Philadelphia, I'm sure you do it in Boston. Jorge Soler, I love the power, but yeah. Miami and Boston, not really the same place. Um, 
so I would be a little uh, one of those two guys would be would be kind of cool. I mean, uh, you know, I was into Tay Oscar as well, but same kind of thing, man. Mm-hmm. It's a different Boston, Philly, New York, Chicago. Even those are different animals. Like it's uh, Jorge Soler. How many people are watching the Marlins game? Like. 108 like like and they're there to watch the other team anyway you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so, i like I'm him a, i'm a i'm a fan of duvall no i definitely uh duvall i i would have said if he doesn't hurt his wrist like he did and go out for as long as he, i think he tops 30 home runs last year for us and i think we win yeah. maybe at least five more than what we won if his offense was there yeah i mean story his slow this it's weird because it was a slow return, but it also felt rushed, right? Mm-hmm. But it was slow, but it did feel rushed. Oh. His lack of impact offensively um, and Duvall's injury, those are two things that really, 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 if those things didn't happen, right? If Story came back and had his bat more you know, more productive, if Duvall doesn't break his wrist, if those two things that happen, I don't know, maybe, maybe the Red Sox are a little more thicker down the stretch. I mean, they definitely need another starting pitcher. Um, I mean, uh, what's his name? Who, uh, who was the guy we signed? For? Uh, Corey Kluber. Hated it from the second they signed him. Uh, I mean, that was tough. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, was, a, that was a tough signing. And um, Let's just say yeah. even at spring training, he uh, was not looking good during uh, up and downs. Cause, uh, yeah, it's hard when Father Time finally calls you. And, and that's what I worry about fans will say with Justin Turner. Cause it's always like, what have you done for me lately, right? <laughs> lately, you look like a really good hitter. But he's, I think he's 39. I'd rather go with like a 31-year-old Reese Hoskins. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Father give, Time catches up to everybody. You know, with Hoskins, give him, give him the same thing with Beltray. A one year, give him decent money and say, oh. okay, prove it. Yeah, one, one year, fourteen. Yeah, who, who knows? I mean, uh, this is a very unpopular take, but if if you told me right now that the only way to get a really good stud starting pitcher is the only way, it was the only way you could do it was to trade Tristan Cassis. If that was the only thing you could do, you trade, in my opinion, a positional player for the young ace every day of the week and twice on Tuesday. Right? That's why you do trade. Um, you're, you trade Hanley Ramirez for Josh Beckett. You do. Yeah. You do it every day and twice on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. If you had to, I'm not saying want to. I'm saying if you absolutely had to trade, let's say, you wanted George Kirby for Tristan Cassis straight up. If you had, if that was a trade, and you go, well, I could always sign Reese Hoskins for fourteen million dollars. That is how you could change things. Now, I'm not advocating trading Tristan Cassis. But I can move on from a first slugging first baseman before I can. They need an ace <laughs> like they need oxygen. And I don't know how else you're getting it. Yeah. No, we got the uh, Bailey Magic Lab, just like what he did uh, in San Francisco. We're going to turn Giolito back into his 2020-2021 uh, self. Which, which kind of sucks go, to like go back full circle with my, my son at 12 as a pitcher, is to always sign, even if he, even if it does work, right? So great, then he's gonna leave. Like, how is my son supposed to connect with a roster, a guy, a pitcher, if every year or two they're gone? Right? You know, like Pedro was here for a long time. You know, like mm-hmm. you you want to have that. Tim Wakefield was here for a long, long time. You need some consistency, and mm-hmm. which, listen, yeah, he's my favorite. But I'd be signing Nick Pavetta right now to a three-year extension. You know, three years, fifteen million, and just call it a day. 
because you can't just always have, I mean, you could have Giolito opt, opt out. You could have Pavetta be a free agent. Um, but we don't even have another starting pitcher, but you would have Bayo and Crawford. And that's it. Because mm-hmm. I know, uh, scary. what is it, Seth Lugo, he got three years, 45 million, I want to say. Was it 45 or 48? Whatever it was. I definitely know uh, Pavetta right now, if he was a free agent, he'd get more than that. Yeah, I'd say and if I like if I yeah, was a GM, obviously I'm not because I'm not good enough. Or you know, it, there's a reason why I I always say there's a reason why I'm sitting on the couch watching the game and not doing anything else and complaining from my seat on a couch. But if I was a GM, I'd offer Pavetta somewhere about between 18 and 20 million a year with how the pitching market is right now. Yeah, Lugo, I just looked, yeah, you got three years, 15 per. Yeah. So if you told me if you were to hop on it right now and you were able to match that offer, um, mm-hmm. and, and if he said, you know what, cool, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Uh, starting pitching, yeah, I mean, I understand there's a risk, but there's always a risk. You don't know, did that light that's, that flicked on with Pavetta, is that really there? Yeah, I think so. He's also my favorite player, and he can handle the postseason, he can handle Boston, but yeah. – I understand he's got some warts. So does Seth Lugo, right? Seth Lugo mm-hmm. has warts. So if you're only going to commit to three years, then they should be financially lucrative three years, which oddly enough, I'll be honest with you, once I saw the deal that Yamamoto got, I was actually really relieved the Red Sox didn't get because there is no way I would ever want to sign up for a dozen years to a pitcher that's never thrown a pitch. I just, sorry, that it, like, the assumption that he will be a multi Cy Young winner, that's cool. I guess, you know, like, because no, no can't hit miss prospects. Like, Yon Moncada was can't miss, right? Well, he's going to be a free agent next year, and I'm pretty sure he's not getting a multi year, you know. So I, I just, I, I worry about that. But you see, Pavetta can do it. I, I would strike. So uh, I know the situations are different if he uh, becomes posted next year, but what would your thoughts be for the Sox going after? Uh... I'm probably going to mispronounce the name as Sasaki. Yeah. yeah. Same same deal. Like, if you told me it was more – I don't remember the original deer that, deal that you Darvish got, but I think it was like a four- or five-year kind of deal. Because um, I know the issue with Sasaki is is he hasn't had enough uh, professional seasons in Japan to be posted that way, so he'd become an international free agent. So it would be similar to the uh, Otani deal where he would have the league minimum – and then uh, arbitration before becoming a free agent. So it's, I, I would, I would like it. You know, I, I just, I definitely, um, I look at it and a dozen years is just no, right? Like, uh, and, and if I'm going to do that, I would never do it. But if I was going to do that, that's for a positional player, right? I feel much more comfortable giving a positional player eight years, right? But the idea of handing over that much guaranteed money, if that doesn't work well, and everyone goes, like trust me, trust me, he's going to, let's wait and see. Some guys come out, I mean, Daisuke Matsuzaka, can't miss, threw a gyro ball. Then we found out, no, he doesn't, right? Like, actually, no, he doesn't, right? Um, yeah, that's okay. I mean, I would love Sasaki. I'd love the idea and the intrigue. And I'm not saying Yamamoto doesn't come over, he's very good. But I don't know if he's a dozen years good. Most guys can't sustain it. Ask Lucas Giolito how easy it is to maintain that kind of form. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I definitely know, like, circling back to our talk about the Dodgers and their super team, I have a friend who lives in Los Angeles. He goes, uh, he doesn't he, he doesn't go to baseball much, about half a dozen times a year. He's more a basketball fan, huge Lakers fan, so he always gets on my case about that. But uh, I asked him, I said, so what's the feel in Los Angeles right now after the whole uh, Glasnow, Yamamoto, and uh, Otani signings? Like, for, for those tw- next 12 years... What do you guys have to do for it not to be considered a bust? And he said, from everyone that he's talked to, like his friends, family, they got to win three of the next seven World Series, he said. That's so stupid. Yeah. That's not even – I mean, you basically said we have to have a dynasty is what you just said. Pretty much he's saying and, every other year that works. Yeah, and, and the truth really is, I'm not going to lie. It's not going to I I would hate Tyler Glass now with that deal on the Red Sox. That guy – I mean, mm-hmm. you're asking a player who's always hurt – to now just stop, right? That'd be awesome. Like that'd be Chris Sale would be sick if you if you could just magically just sprinkle that on. It's yeah. that, that way. Um, Otani, how long can he really do both for? Mm-hmm. Right? Like we've never seen it before, but I'm pretty sure it has a shelf life that it doesn't really go. When you're 35, no problem, right? You can just keep doing it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah well, I, I think he's gonna be moved into a full-time uh, DH role in a few years agreed and is now his value honestly and truly in a dh probably not maybe that's why they deferred it all and that and that's crazy like you know like that that contract i hate for the whole deferment thing to me is stupid right uh like it should count against your luxury tax exactly you should be able to pay if the player says cool pay me in a decade that's between you and you and said player Mm -hmm. but if i'm giving you this much for this service time Mm -hmm. then that should be calculated in so the whole thing is kind of stupid i actually kind of fear that it's going to be the next labor lockout we have there's going to be arguing cause of it yep yep there's going to be arguing back and forth i i have a feeling you're going to have steinbrenner he's going to be against it because he'll he'll argue oh this cost us so-and-so, even if they had no intention of signing them. Correct. I mean, think about it. Theoretically, if 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 Red Sox ownership knew that this was a possibility, to the extent that it was done, mm-hmm. maybe Mookie Betts would have stayed here. Don't know, right? Like, what was it? You know, who? maybe we could have offered him an extra $5 million a year and just I, said, we'll pay it on the back end. I hate to say it, but I think, I think Mookie was leaving no matter what, though. And this is just a theory of mine. I think COVID yeah. is why he signed the deal before hitting free agency. I think he was, he had all intent to go to free agency at the end of 2020 and see what he could get on the open market. But I think when COVID happened and the season was shortened and they had to lock everything down, I think he said, I'm going to take this offer from the Dodgers now. Who knows how the season's going to play out? Who knows how... Uh, free agency will change with the uh, loss of revenue from this season. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. The only thing I would push back on is this one, is that I do, I do believe that players have a bottom line. And the truth really is that, you know, we don't know what that bottom line actually is. But let's just say it's 12 years, 28 per. That if you actually offer me that right now, yes, I will right now. And the truth really is, I, I don't think he hated it that much, but I, I think he says, well, if I'm going to put a pie eye in the number, and now you look 
that's why some of these long, not necessarily, I don't mind the dollar figures. It's more the length of contracts. But if you're willing to go like this, the longer term deals with this fixed income and the stated money, over a while, they actually look kind of reasonable, right? You know, like mm-hmm. you, you kind of look back and I think that was very penny wise, you know, pound foolish of, of ownership, which is why locking Nick Bavetta right now, three years, 15 million, odds are in three years, will say 15 million. What That's a good true. deal, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I kind of see that with Mookie. I, I think it could have been done. I think there was hard feelings there, but one thing usually smooths everything over. Money. A little bit. Yeah, that's it. Because they were hesitant. Using your uh, Nick Pavetta example, one thing that always uh, I think about is the Avery Bradley deal with the Celtics. I think it was four years, and he got like $9 million a year. And then like the very next year, the cap jumped, so that was like a real cheap contract. But um, yeah. and, and I think that I think that's the thing, right? I, I, I think that... Right now, a lot of fans are really invested in like, oh, Lockcast is up tomorrow, Lock Bayo up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Can't lie, I'd want to see one more year of each, right? Like, you know, because a lot of guys have come for one year and look great, and then the next year does. But like, give me one more, and not for them, Bayo faded at the end of the year. I'm excited about him too, but give me one more year of each, and then go ahead and lock those guys up. Great, no problem. But it doesn't have to be next week, right? Right now, we need a starting pitcher. <laughs> And we need a right-handed batter, and we need a right, and we need an extension for our manager. Those those are the things that we as Red Sox fans, I think, need right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So really, I just have one question left, and yeah, go it's for it. No, it's nothing too serious. It's more uh, my own thoughts on it. I'll explain after. But uh, what are your thoughts on Sweet Caroline at Fenway being played, or more specifically, being played when the team's down eight, nine runs? All right. I actually, first off, tremendous question. I like it, and here's why. A, I have a personal connection to the answer, and B, my answer has changed over the years. Okay. So, first off, my parents' favorite all time singer is Neil Diamond. Um, So, how it ended up that their favorite singer, and my father's beyond huge Red Sox fan, that I went to almost all my Red Sox games with with him, um, the fact that that ended up together was perfect. It was just it was just perfect, right? The fact that they play it when they're losing. What if it's a kid's first game ever to going to a game? Mm-hmm. What if I'm never going to go there ever again? What if I'm from Japan and I want to go there one time? Now that I'm seeing it of having a young kid, as a fan that goes often, I don't want to hear it while they're losing. But as an understanding that of the 38,000 people there, there might be 5,000, that's their only time that they're going, or the only time they're going every five or eight, 10 years. So I get it. And I, the diehards don't, because they're watching it all the time. And they're like, are you kidding me? But if you're only there, you it's like, you ever go to Disney World? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been uh, once. Okay, so let's say you're going, one, you know, it's your first trip, you're, you know, you're 35 years old, you're going there, you're taking your kids, and it is pouring rain at Magic Kingdom. Uh, are you going to sulk, or are you going to have a good fun day and make the best of a bad day? Yeah, that, that's that's actually what happened the time we went. It, it was just raining buckets the entire time. We had to uh, buy ponchos and just wait in line all the time. <laughs> Right. So if you're if you're a dad and, and you want to live it up and, and, and turn a, a negative into a positive, and I think that's why the Red Sox do it. And for that reason, 
now that I'm older, I get it. Ten years ago, I freaking hated it. Now I get it, and I and I understand it, and I would do it if I was them too. How do yeah. you feel about? Oh, uh, see, I exactly what you said up until understanding. Like, like I've never put that thought. I'll be sitting there, and like the Sox are winning. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Sox are down by a run or two. Yeah, it's fine. I've been at games. They've been down 12 runs in the eighth inning, and they're playing Sweet Caroline, and the crowd's getting into it. I'm sitting there, and I'm just like. Do you guys not see how they're playing down there? Like, how can you be standing and singing this? Like, aren't you frustrated? <laughs> have you? How many ballparks have you ever visited? Uh, I've only been to uh, four. So okay. Fenway, JetBlue, uh, the Brave Spring Training, and then um, the Woosock. Woo no, I'm sorry, five uh, Pawtucket as well. All right, so if you were going to Wrigley Field... Would you want the whole Wrigley experience only a little bit? Yeah. No, the whole thing, like, after how you explained it, I, you know, I, I can't disagree with what you said. It's just, like you said, the diehards, they it. get frustrated. <laughs> if I was going, if you and I were going to a game together, I would be like, this is ridiculous. If my son's with me or my, my daughter's 15, she could give zero craps about the Red Sox at all. <laughs> but she does know Sweet Caroline, and she would be swinging, singing every part, and she would be waiting for that part. So the older I get, the perspective that I get is that may be your only experience there. And if that's all that you've got, it's trying to turn the best of a bad. If you're down, hey, at least we can sing a little bit together, right? Mm -hmm. At least we can have a little bit of fun. I'd rather hear Jeremiah was a bullfrog after victory, right? I, I would much rather hear that. However, no, I, I, I love the uh, dirty water, so. I love it. I, I, I love dirty water. I, I played it at my wedding. So, I mean, I'm with you. I get it. But the older I get, the more I realize that it may be. I, I took an aunt one time. She was like late 70s. First time she ever been to Fenway Park. You think she didn't want to hear Sweet Caroline? No, she probably was waiting for it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that now that I get it and go like this, we're fortunate if we get to do things multiple times, right? You know, that yeah. first time you walk in, you see Family Park. I didn't go till I was 12. I walked in. When I say cathedral, I mean goosebumps. My goosebumps had goosebumps, right? I was like, oh, my God, I'm here. I wanted it all. I wanted all of that. Now that I've been there a million times, it's still really cool, but nothing beats the first time, right? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I wish, I wish I could say that, but first time I went, it was like before I really fell in love yeah, yeah. with it, because uh, it was 2005. They were actually playing the Braves at home, and um, you know I'd been playing baseball for a, was it? for about five years now. I'd watch the Red Sox every now and then, but it wasn't something where I'm like I gotta watch everything. So I went in 05. I saw I saw uh, Matt Clement out pitch uh, the Atlanta Braves that day it was like I think it was one of his last good starts with the Red Sox before uh, he started getting hurt yeah. and uh, so it was, it was just like another day for me and then ironically 2006 was when I started uh, like being obsessive about the Sox and of course the game that I went to that year was uh, the one where Papelbon walked off the mound in September when he uh, hurt his shoulder so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I miss my father. I mean, it was hard back in the day to line. There was no ESPN schedule. You couldn't whatever. So we, we bought tickets, and twice I missed Roger Clemens by one start. And oh. instead of seeing the number one starter, I saw number five, John Dobson. And John Dobson sucked. And I missed Clemens both times by one day. 
but I can still say uh, Sweet Caroline was not a thing then. But I can say that if I was 12 years old and they were down eight to two, and the only thing I had to look forward to was singing Sweet Caroline, I'd, I'd be be I'd be sad if I didn't get it. So I get it. Even if I don't feel it, I get it. So you said they weren't using Sweet Caroline back then. So was this just a thing that when current ownership took over, it became? Yeah, I definitely do not remember until, let's say, early 2000s. Okay. Um, it was a spring training thing. Oh, okay. They played it in the crowd, like took to it. And it was like, like they loved it. They were like, crap, they love this much. We'll try it, whatever. <laughs> My memory is it wasn't a thing until about 02, 03. Um, I think I'm right somewhere in that vicinity, but when I went in like 96, 95, uh, no, the Red Sox, there was nothing on the Green Monster. There was no seats up there. There was no yeah. Yeah, cause stuff. I know for the Green Monster, uh, my, I, I actually don't know him well. He's my, my mom's brother, so my, my uncle, but I really don't know him. He actually was uh, part of the crew that was working on it, taking down the net and putting the seats up there. So. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so, I did sit up there one game. I did not enjoy the seats. Uh, I will say. I I've never sat on the Green Monster, especially prices now. It's too much. I've yeah. sat on the uh, knockoff replica, the Worcester Wall, and I just don't care. It's too far away, you know. You're up so high that every hit feels like it's a home run. Yeah, and you it, have no perspective. And it was like looking down. Mm -hmm. It was cool. I said I did it, but uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it again. Oh, nice. I think myself the only way I'd sit up there is if I won them in some sort of raffle or something. Sure. Otherwise, I wouldn't pay the money for the Green Monster. No, and I'd rather opt. Honestly, if you said I actually sat in Stephen King's box seats once, that that, that was really cool. Well, um, that, mu that must have been a, a great view. That was that was actually a Yankee Red Sox game. Um, Ryan Dempster threw a A rod like three times, and then oh, that was that one. Hit him. Yeah, yeah, I was at that <laughs> game. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so I'm a teacher, and I had a student teacher, and she nannied for Stephen King's grandkids. Mm -hmm. And so as her way of saying, like, hey, thanks, I had a nice experience, she asked Stephen King's what, you know, one of his kids, hey, is there any chance, whatever, because she met him, and he was like, if you ever need anything. So her ever need anything was, if at all possible, and he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I didn't need him, but I sat in mm -hmm. seats. And I'm there, and the whole time people are like, he must know Stephen King. He must know Stephen King. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is amazing seats. And then I see Ryan Dempster just miss, miss. And then finally plunk him, and I was like, oh. So, yeah, it was good stuff. So, well, hopefully we're, we're going to have a, a good year. Yeah, I'm hoping it ends better than last year. Even if it's just competitive into mid-September, I'll, I'll take it. Just, Same here. Just let the young kids get some competitive playing time and see what's there so, i mean sounds like a good plan to me yeah, all right th thanks again for uh doing this oh quite welcome yeah. and uh yes yeah, stay in touch man yeah hey have a nice night you too thank you yeah.